what's up everybody just got uh, off a live webinar with uh, my good friend daniel shankin daniel sitaramdas of uh, tam integration past podcast guest and uh lovely human being new new daddy as well so um congrats to him and his family um i think it was a couple months ago but Still, congratulations and uh, well wishes are always welcome, right? Um, so yeah, it was a thank you plant medicine. It's, it's thank you plant medicine day. It is that day, February twentieth, twenty twenty. And uh, yeah, uh, it was it was really cool. One of the creators of the thank you plant medicine movement, John, uh, was on the call from Costa Rica. Uh, past podcast guest Tom Hatsis. Uh, Daniel Negrin of uh, San Francisco Psychedelic Society, selling seashells by the seashore, seventy-six times speedy. <laughs> uh, sorry for all this there. Um, okay, yeah, uh, it was really cool. Um, I'm leaving people out, but people from like decriminalization movements uh, in Oakland and uh, in um, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and DC, and um, people from Texas. Uh, and Costa Rica, a lot of people, uh, it was really cool. It was good. We all went around, shared our stories. I believe you can go and, and see the recording. It was, uh, it was live, but if you go to Tam integration, um, you could probably find it there, uh, and, uh, and check it out. Um, I think it was a, yeah, it was a good amount of people, but anyway, it was pretty cool. I mean, yeah. Thank you. Plan medicine, I think is, um, you know, I guess it's weird. I've been off social media. Um, I've, I deleted Facebook and Twitter and Instagram off of my phone because I am just not able to control myself with, uh, with wasting ungodly amounts of time. Ungodly? I mean, time? But that doesn't make sense. Uh, <laughs> wasting, just wasting time in like mind-numbing activities, mindless activities. Uh, and, uh, I'll get sucked into that stuff. So I wanted to take a break. So I didn't really, I wasn't able to get on Facebook and, um, Twitter and, and Instagram and do the whole thank you plant medicine thing, but I did participate in this thing. And, um, yeah, I mean, I said this the other night at a uh, talk I gave at CSU psychedelic club, big shout out to them, Teresa, Mycelia, and, uh, all the uh, Ryan and the people that uh, organized uh, the psychedelic club at CSU. It was a good turnout, good people, good mind jam that we had. So I've been doing these things called mind jams and um, it was my second one actually. It went, it went really well. I hope to do them more uh, around town uh, and um, get, get, get the people moving, get the people talking, you know, getting, getting, getting a good jam of the minds of the hearts, the bodies, the souls, a nice satsang, if you will. So I brought this up the other night and, um, it was about just the, the insane privilege that it is to be able to have access to psychedelics and theogens, plant medicines, the privilege it, it is to, um, to have access to these things. And for those of us fortunate enough to have access and to have community and to have ceremony and to develop ritual 
and to really make this a, a part of our lives. And for those of us that have had transformative experiences, profound experiences, I feel in a way that it's like we have to kind of remember that this is a tremendous privilege and that uh, to be grateful for that privilege, but also to speak out and to, and to share and to tell people about your story and to be, in a way, an ambassador for Gaia, an ambassador for life, for a better reality, a more conscious, connected, community-driven reality. So, yeah, I think I've heard Terrence say something like this before, like the, the mushrooms are the cosmic ambassadors of the galactic multi, multiverse senate or something, something to that effect. But, you know, he's right in a way. It's almost like um, if we're psychonauts, if we're psychedelic journeyers or whatever, whatever we're doing and we're having and we're benefiting from these things, it's uh it's almost like yeah these these are our this is our opportunity to um share that and uh spread that and uh you know don't hold back uh life life is very short <laughs> um as a uh lifelong procrastinator vagabond Kind of, uh, I don't know, ne'er do well type of person. I'm starting to realize now that I'm in my 30s that yeah, I, I'm like, shit, like, after this is the 40s and then 50s, 60s, 70s, if I'm hopefully, 80s, 90s, if I'm lucky, and then. We're out of here. It's not really that, it's not a lot of time. I mean, I think about all the things that I want to do and say and be, and we have to do it now. You know, it has to happen now. And, you know, it's a, it's a balance, and I'm still learning that balance of, like, not being, like, insane, so we're, like, you know, screaming our heads off and, like, demand, you know, not that kind of, like, uh, forceful, like it's gotta, it's gotta be now, but you know what I'm saying? I can't articulate it in the way that I want to right now, but, but yeah, just thank you plant medicine, uh, for all that you've done for me. And really, you know, I, I say this quite a bit too, you know, these things are symbiotic. It's a symbiotic relationship here. These psychoactive compounds in plant medicines and other entheogens and psychedelics don't work without us. Now, I don't know, do we work without them? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess. But like, what kind of work? Like, what kind of functioning do we want humanity to, to be able to execute on? What, 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 you know, like, what is, what is good? I would argue that, you know, I mean, 
we need altered states. We need experiences that psychedelics can provide in order to help us construct the kind of loving, caring world that we would prefer to live in, right? Because it's like we could live in, human beings are, we're very adaptable. We can adapt to all kinds of circumstances. I mean, in a large way, we have adapted to this domesticated sort of box-like, you know, you go to your house box, to your car box, to your job box, you know, get a drink in the bar box. But we, we, have, we, we are very good at adapting and, and being molded and shaped into changing circumstances. That's how we have survived for a long period of time. I remember in the book Born to Run, Christopher McDougall talks about human beings' abilities to be adaptable to changing circumstances. Uh, running and, and you know, these ultramarathon runners, like how do they do it? What's, what's going on? Well, they were like running down the, the animals and, and getting good, getting good exercise and good group community uh, bonding. But the adapting to the change to the changes, right? Adapting to the, the colder temperatures, adapting to the hotter temperatures, adapting to, uh, to whatever situation that we've been presented with over time, we've adapted to survive. So, you know, right now, I think we're, we're, we're doing that. But the point of that is that uh, those of us fortunate enough to have breakthrough, profound psychedelic experiences, or just fortunate enough to have access to psychedelics and entheogens and plant medicines that uh, benefit us in some way, we need, to, we need to speak about it in, in, in the way that we feel proud like to share, to say, hey, this is something that is great, and this is something that has helped me. And be an ambassador for, uh, for Gaia, for the Earth, for you know a better reality, for a higher level of conscious thinking, for creativity, communion, connection, for the increase in diversity and novelty, for spontaneous infinite creation to keep flowing and occurring. Uh, that's 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 what's really exciting. So you know, the plant medicine, the thank you plant medicine day, I think is really cool because maybe it's encouraging people to come out and share, you know, coming out of the psychedelic closet, coming out, speaking out, standing in your truth. And, and, and like I said, time is, is, we have a limited time here. You know, I think that we want to try and do what we can to make this time right here, right now, great. And if these things have helped you, let's get it out there more and more. I mean, the rate of change is increasing faster and faster. Decriminalization movements are spreading. The mainstreaming of these things in, the, in terms of the acceptability, the palatability, and the collective uh, consciousness, the masses, uh, is, it's, it's increasing more and more. So let's not take our foot off the, off the gas. Let's keep that thing going until the wheels fall off the car. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, that's that's what I want to say. Today's guest is Trisha Eastman. She is um, a psychedelic practitioner. She is a uh, an amazing person who who runs retreats, who hosts retreats. Excuse me. Um, 
I'm having one of those, like, I feel like I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to like cough, sneeze, or burp. So I apologize. I'm not editing this out. Okay. This is, this is real. This is real life. This is what's going on. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, she, she go to her website, psychedelicjourneys.com. She runs, um, you know, medicine retreats in Mexico and Tulum. Um, they, she works with the Sonoran Desert Toad, the uh, five MEO DMT producing Bufo Alvarius uh, Toad. She uh, does all kinds of wonderful um, retreats. You can find out all the information on her website at psychedelicjourneys.com. And um, yeah, it was just wonderful to talk to her, just to get her perspective, to see how she's working with plant medicines, see how she's using uh, her knowledge, her skills, her tool sets to give back and to offer um, these, uh, these deep immersion retreats and initiations and uh, integration uh, work as well as her shamanic integration program. Um, but, uh, but yeah, she's, uh, she's de- definitely doing a lot of really cool things. And I think that uh, one of the things that we talked about in the episode that I liked a lot was the, the merging of uh, you know, ancestral practices and technologies with modern protocols, you know, really geared towards our kind of our Western mind, you know, the mind that we have been, uh, that has been developing through, uh, through the West, through the people of the West, right? Uh, Because it's a very different kind of uh, evolution. Um, There's a different kind of, there's different programming and conditioning and baggage and trauma and all that kind of stuff versus other uh, other areas other people so yeah i really i love what she does she's you know very respectful to the traditions uh, that have come before and uh, integrates into offering something that works for people who um are in you know in in the, in the western world and and needing to have these experiences to uh to to let to heal their traumas and in in some ways you know level up and uh and a lot of uh a lot of people that are trying to be productive and innovate in the world and they're they want to do good but they're not sure of of where to go or what to do but they have the the means and they have the tools and they have the resources on the external front, they just need to go in inside. You know, if these people can uh, transform themselves internally, wake up, see the light, heal, integrate, then, you know, maybe they can offer uh, really good solutions for the rest of us, right? I mean, I think of someone like, uh, I don't know, uh, like Tesla, right? I mean, like he's, He's trying to, I just called him Tesla, uh, Elon Musk, the Tesla company, um, trying to make uh, low emission, no emission cars and, and, and change things and innovate things. And I think that he sees things in, in a very particular kind of way, right? And so what are some other people that are maybe at that sort of, I mean, I don't know if anyone's at his level, but at the, at the, trying to aspire to make change at a big level who are driven we're a little crazy and maybe we can give them a little bump in the right direction with plant medicine retreats with healing you know um and those sorts of things so anyway uh great conversation with trisha hope you guys enjoy it uh if you like the show you know what to do drop a five-star rating review go to patreon.com slash mike brank donate a little bit to the show every little bit helps um you can go to my website mikebrank.com 
and you could check it out on there as well. I also have a PayPal one-time donation if you don't want to get you know in the monthly Patreon thing. But as I mentioned, big things are are coming. I'm taking a month break, no interviews for a month, uh, and um, I'm going to be really working on honing and, and and tightening up all the things that I want to do creatively for you know the show, the website, the Patreon rewards. I want to work with collaborating with some artists to do some really cool psychedelic T-shirts, stickers, things like that, um, and just all all kinds of really creative and cool things. Um, so that's pretty much it. This, this intro has gone on far too long. I apologize. Sorry, Trisha. I mean, I just, I start talking and, uh, <laughs> I always feel bad for the person who's the guest on the show. You know, I'm like, Hey, the show's out. And they're like, Oh, cool. When's it, when's it going to start? Is it going to start now? I think it's going to start right now. Trisha Eastman, everyone. Psychedelics are illegal, not because... A loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Of Information is power. But we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. and just really just grateful for this opportunity awesome yeah thanks for being here so you you just you just got back from tulum right yeah so i just led a retreat in tulum and um it's like pure heaven there it's like um we're in the biosphere in cian Khan. it's a, a really beautiful space that i use regularly that I'm able to uh, rent regularly to do retreats and it's just such a magical place um, just incredible nature and uh, yeah it was such a such a blessing it's we're doing like Bufo Alvarius on the beach in ceremony uh, to Mezcal mm. uh, Mayan cacao ceremony uh, and uh, just everything about it is just so delicious, except the mosquitoes, you know, you get a few right. mosquito bites, but other than that, it's like perfect in every way. Yeah, I don't have like genocidal thoughts really at all, except for mosquitoes. Like I, I wouldn't mind just wiping them out. I, I think <laughs> I think I would be comfortable if mosquitoes didn't exist. I don't think they serve a purpose like bees do. You know, bees are really important, but yeah, I agree. Um, I feel that like if you if we want to get into like the dark entities and stuff, I feel like there's a a system supporting that that um, 
I don't think is absolutely necessary. I Ooh, feel that. What do you mean by that? That sounds interesting. Um, what I mean is that, um, you know, it was really interesting because, you know, my partner, he had uh, Lyme disease for like 15 years and he actually Ooh. cured it through plant medicine. And I was, uh, got bit by a tick. And as I was driving myself to the emergency room, this podcast just randomly pops on my stereo of one of my friends and he was speaking about parasites. And he said, uh, there's more parasitic organisms in the universe than there are non-parasitic organisms. And I just felt that kind of chilling and and kind of a spiritual lesson as I've literally got this like tick embedded in my leg and I'm like praying that it doesn't have Lyme disease, which it didn't, thank God. Um, and I also, um, you know, last year lost one of my friends um, in Gabon um, to malaria. And, um, and I, and I do really feel strongly that, um, you know, that, that consciousness can be eradicated. I think it's, you know, really about us consciously choosing and knowing that we have a choice because I feel like it's like as above, so below and on a more practical, pragmatic level, um, there's recently were some studies in Singapore. There was a, um, episode of Nas Daily that came out. And in the episode, um, they actually bred mosquitoes. uh, And the, um, I think it's the Department of Ecology in Singapore. And and don't quote me on that. I I don't want to like, you know, give misinformation. But literally in the episode, they, they bred these mosquitoes that don't bite. And when they breed with the local mosquitoes, they make it so that they can't uh, procreate. Mm. And so um, I'm really interested in this. I even took a step to reach out to them because after what's happened in Gabon, I really want to... um, At first, I had this idea that um, because a bat, one bat, can eat uh, up to like 15,000 mosquitoes in a day. And so I wanted to create this like bat house project where in areas that are sensitive to disease carried by mosquitoes, we could put bat houses in the areas where people are living. And hopefully that would decrease the number of um, incidents of malaria or dengue or yellow fever, you know, a lot of these um, parasite um, carried uh, diseases. And, um, and then I realized, oh, if we can just get these mosquitoes out, then the problem solved. So we don't even need, uh, to do that. Seems more yeah. Of a thing. Yeah. It's interesting. And I'm, I'm reminded of, um, uh, this information that I came across about how like grasshoppers transform into locusts. Mm -hmm. When they are in like concentrated areas and they kind of they're swarming and they're all on top of each other. And it's like some kind of, I would assume, like energetic thing that's going on with it causes like a transformation, like a behavioral transformation that causes like a mutation. And then they kind of like become something else. And, you know, I could I could see that reflected on the human scale as well. Like the more that we concentrate into cities and urban environments and building steel, we kind of like become different versions of what we are, maybe not 
naturally what we are, but a different kind of version of that. Yeah. yeah. And and I think that we are a reflection of the earth. And I really saw um, this, especially in like Costa Rica, in the areas where the land was more sick, where they were using a lot more pesticides. There were a lot more mosquitoes and noceums and, you know, these negative like like little biting flies and things like that. And so I believe yeah. that when we make the earth healthy, um, we also are going to make ourselves healthy too. Definitely. And isn't that in the Bible too? Like when they talk about Armageddon, like all like the, the insects and bugs and like all that crazy stuff like coming out, like did, kind of sort of demonic parasitical creatures, right? Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad we started the podcast off with this. this is <laughs> I know. And, and I think this is really relevant for psychedelics. I, it's funny the little topics that come up, but the reason I think it's so relevant now is, um, you know, with all the, the threats with coronavirus, pandemics, you know, all these talks related uh, to that, um, really this work that we're doing with psychedelics, although a big piece of it is about connecting to our soul, connecting to our heart, inner empowerment, you know, learning to turn inward versus this externally focused way that our culture has been for so long. But it's also about this cleansing process. So through all the bad choices that we've made, and and mostly through ignorance, not through intention, um, you know, we collect these these parasites in our body, and um, it's quite interesting how much our microbiome determines our consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so it's like we're reconstituting our our microbiome, our our bodies through use of these plants and these sacred medicines, psychedelics to clear ourselves from all the things that are not our truth. Yeah, totally. I, I, you know, that's, that's the truth. That's the truth right there. And, you know, I like to look at it too on, on like a, the body being a microcosm of the planet, right? It's like you have all these organisms and organs that are living within the body, like billions of them working mm -hmm. together and, and, you know, trying to make this whole meat machine move and talk and walk and, you know, all this stuff. But, uh, but yeah, it's like once you kind of reconstitute that, like you said, so I imagine that if we could, if you could do that for your body, then collectively we could do that for the, the earth, for the planet. Yeah. I mean, I think the two are one in the same. I mean, just like, you know, there's plastics in our oceans, there's microplastics in the water supply that are getting into our bodies. Yeah. So, yeah. so as we're cleaning ourselves, I feel like we are cleaning the earth and, you know, to think that the two are separate, I think is the only thing, um, that is of concern, um, because there are people out there that believe that they can be separate from the rest of society and, um, you know, and, and, and not have these things have an impact on them, but they, but they do, you know, no one, no one is safe and we, we do need to to look at things from a holistic uh, standpoint and how our society operates um, in all areas, finance, health, um, healthcare, uh, yeah. everything, you know, how, how school, schooling, all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah, totally. It's all, it's all connected. Yeah. And it's like, you know, sets off ripples 
you know, uh, wherever, wherever you are. And, you know, if you're around people that are, you know, polluting and toxic and abusive and, you know, you could, you could feel that, that like ripple of energy going through and the same thing in the other way, when you're around people that are just like positive and magnetic and clean and clear and helping and, you know, gardening and growing. And it's like, wow, this, this is a whole new world. And that ripples outwards. I mean, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure you've experienced that, right? Just being, being in those situations. How did you, how did you get, so, you know, we kind of started off that you were doing, um, Bufo ceremonies and cacao and, and in Tulum. And then, you know, I was looking at your website. I know you do retreats all over the world, right? And you've had experiences where you've been, uh, initiated into certain, uh, you know, regions and their cultures and tribes and the way that they practice their medicine. So how did you, uh, get to be doing this stuff? Was this always something that you were interested in or did something kind of was something like a catalyst to, to propel you to this, this mission? Mm, well, it's really funny because I never was seeking it out. You know, I've always been really into healing, holistic healing, um, studied, studied it for a big portion of my life. Um, and, um, it really started when I went to an Abogain clinic in Mexico called Crossroads. I met the owner, um, at a, an event, um, and, uh, I had eating disorders and I said, you know, Hey, if this, this Abogain can work for addiction, I wonder if it can work for food addiction. And he said, you know, I'm not really sure, but I'm interested to give it a try. Um, he had just launched a psycho spiritual program, um, doing Abogain in a clinical setting with Bufo Alvarius, hmm. um, but not for addiction. And so I got to go through that program and, um, it was one of the most powerful experiences, you know, since then I've had many other powerful experiences, but at the time it had been my most powerful experience, uh, to date in my life. And in that moment of just, you know, really seeing myself for the first time, really feeling a deep connection to all things, all life, and just seeing the oneness, you know, that, that thread that connects all life together. Um, I really felt this deep sense of gratitude. And I said to the medicine, how can I serve you? How can I be of service? And within less than three weeks, I was asked to uh, work for Crossroads um, as a facilitator. Uh So, um, you know, of course, when I was asked, I wasn't like, I was like, what, me? I'm not a shaman. Like, why would, you know, kind of like in my mind, this whole thing was playing out. And I I was still very much, you know, fresh from this experience and very connected to the medicine. And it just said to me, like, don't create a story about what it is. What does it feel like in your heart? Like, is this aligned for you? Is this feel like something that your heart wants? And I'm like, absolutely. So yeah. And, and, I still pinch myself, you know, five years, over five years later, I still pinch myself where I'm just like, oh my God, I can't believe that I'm going to Tulum and I'm getting to do this sacred work with these beautiful people. And, um, yeah, I just feel so blessed. Yeah. Well, it's good that you were able to listen to that because a lot of the times, yeah, that are sort of 
you know, ego constructs or identity constructs that have maybe served us for a long time in a protection sort of way for safety or comfort, right, can sort of be that voice saying, come on, really? You know, I don't think so. You know, this isn't because it feels like you're walking into this new territory that's unknown and unfamiliar, but you're yeah. right. Like you, do, you, 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 you feel it. And you were mentioning the, you know, the microbiome, like the second brain, the gut, like it's yeah. very, and that's where, you know, the, 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 the concentration of neurons, like is like the second most to the brain. So it's like, it yeah. would make sense. So like listening to these things are really important. And I feel that, yeah, there's a lot of people that are maybe struggling trying to find that clear connection, right? So that's mm -hmm. awesome that you were able to get that and then say, okay, cool. I'm going to help other people find that, right? I'm going to help other people find that that clarity. What did you, I'm curious to know if you'd like to share, what did you see and what did you find out about what was the cause of your eating disorder? Oh my God, it's so crazy. Okay, so... I don't know how, how I could have even figured this out. So I was in the womb. And when I was in the womb, my mother's mother died of cancer. Oh. Her name's Patricia. I'm named after her. And um, then I was born a month later. And um, my mom didn't make breast milk because she was grieving. And grief is stored in the breast area. So she fed me Similac. She fed me um, cow's milk. And I spit it all up. And I had a horrible diaper rash. And when I was younger, I used to suck my thumb. And um, the medicine showed me that I was sucking my thumb to try to produce digestive enzymes because um, I didn't get the breast milk when I was a child. Uh, my 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 gut hadn't properly um, learned how to digest, and I've had food allergies my whole life. Um, and it was my body's reaction um, to not uh, being breastfed, like um, you know, and and it was that that created the eating disorder. I thought I started getting eating disorders when I was 10, when I started being self-conscious about what people thought about my body and started thinking about my weight. And it had nothing to do with that whatsoever. Mm. Yeah. But that was like the story that made sense to you at the time. Cause you didn't know any, any other way. How could you, you know, yeah. but, but thankfully, you know, we have these gifts to help us remember and help us clear space. It's funny. I was just talking with somebody yesterday uh, who was telling me about um, their daughter being born with their the umbilical cord strangling her around the neck, wow. and that and that was like a big you know trauma. But you know, it it leads me to think that like you know we talk about trauma, we talk about PTSD, we talk about these things, and oftentimes there's you know we tend to think that it's something that happened you know, that was really devastating in this like waking life. And we forget about these sort of accidental things or just kind of happens, things of happenstance that, that will happen mm -hmm. that nobody has any control over. They're just something that's, that's happened. And so that's a form of trauma as well that has to be dealt with, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, the, the, that's a really beautiful example 
um, that, you know, in our society, this, this trauma basically between the ages of zero and seven years old, this, this template of your subconscious mind is being created and it's, it's on record. You're basically in this hypnotic state and something happens that, um, basically is the call to action of your hero's journey of life. And, um, in our culture, we're just not taught how to understand that, that these are actually the, um, the transmutation, the, what do you call it? The iron or lead that gets transmuted into gold. This is the material that drives your story that brings you to your highest gifts and blessings in life. And, um, the more that I dive into myself, the more that I feel that I understand the inner workings of the universe and how this realm of duality that we live in uh, works. And it and it doesn't necessarily, on the appearance of it, look fair or or nice, or, you know, like it might even seem like, oh, it's out to get me. And, you know, everything's out to either suck my blood like the mosquitoes or Mm. to kill me or to hurt me. Um, But really, ultimately, um, it's designed so that we can learn to connect to love. And we have to have those those polarities to build that strength and that temperance. And so um, I really love the example of the trauma because I see this so often where people um, have these severe traumas as even a baby. Like I had one person really interestingly who had like he, he thought he had like perfect parents, perfect life, but he had all these like um, – I I guess the best word would be like fear of abandonment. And we found out that um, he started speaking baby language um, when we were working together. And um, he had this memory of this time he was being babysat. And the woman that babysat him left him in the crib all day, didn't change his diaper, totally neglected him. So he had this like feeling of neglect from the feminine but it didn't actually come from his mother. So like on an intellectual level, he couldn't even like really figure it out. And it wasn't until he really opened the door of the subconscious mind through altered state of consciousness that he was able to get in there and work with that. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's, I mean, it, it, it really truly is amazing. I mean, recently, even for myself, like I had an experience where it was like, I thought I had dealt with uh, a lot of this stuff. I thought I had identified uh, things, but then I realized there's another layer to it, or there was a, another piece that I, that I didn't see. So, you know, the work always goes on, right? It's not like, um, you know, we're not talking about magic, magic potions that are just mm-hmm. like one and done. It's sort of, um, yeah, I mean it's like a, it's a process, right? So, so you worked at at Crossroads. Uh, how long did you work there for? I would say I was more on and off for like a few years. Like it, the last time I worked there was like a couple of years ago because it's like commuting back and forth to Mexico isn't like the easiest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I but I started doing the retreats um, four years ago, so I've been doing you know working in the clinical setting and then as well as, um, offering retreats with, with 5-MeO-DMT from the Sonoran Desert Toad, as well as Iboga for, um, the last five years. 
Mm. And and you offer like retreats all all over the world, right? Is like does it does it depend? It it has to be legal in the place that you're you're doing it, right? Yeah. So um, we work um, in That's Spain, the point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Portugal, Costa Rica, um, Mexico. Those are the main places. There are other places, but. Um, just as of right now, that's really what's made sense for us. And um, the medicine loves it in these places too. It's so fun, you know, doing the work, especially like in the jungle. I love, um, love doing the work in the jungle and having access to really clean water and, you know, clean, healthy, organic food. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a magical experience. I spent, you know, almost all of 2018 in, in the Amazon rainforest working at the Temple of the Way of Light uh, Ayahuasca Center. So it was <clears throat> just uh, when I when I think back to that time there, I'm, I'm always like, yeah, it's just it's so nourishing and, and healing and just to be in it, like in the thick of it. Yeah. Other, other than the mosquitoes and the ants and the ants, <laughs> ant problems, too. People don't realize. But, but oh, yeah, yeah. Tell me about some of your initi uh, initiation experiences. Um, like I, I was reading some, uh, some, uh, some about that. I was wondering if you could maybe talk a little bit about that. So um, there's been several initiations. I've done four initiations um, in the Bwiti tradition, which are uh, Mumbayano, which is which is the lineage of Bwiti, uh, Mimbar. And, um, and I did that in, uh, with, uh, the lineage connected with, uh, master Atum Rabinga who lives, uh, in Gabon. And then, um, and that's for I Iboga. For Iboga. Sorry. <laughs> well, I was, I assume cause it's Gabon. That's, that's sort of the, the birthplace of Iboga, right? That's the birthplace of this medicine. And it's the only place in the world that, um, it's growing. I mean, it, there are talks of other places where it's been planted, but it takes a long time to grow. So it's fairly new. Um, but it's the main place that, that this medicine is from. And it's a very, very special place. Um, really powerful. Um, it's equatorial Africa, um, on the West coast side, um, and the other, the other tradition is, uh, Nagund Misoko, which is the lineage of the moon. Um, it's one of the, um, forms of Bwiti that's closest to the pygmies, to the forest people who originally brought, um, Iboga to what became Bwiti. Um, and so, yeah, I, I've learned so much, um, through these initiations and primarily, um, the biggest thing, um, is really about facing yourself because Iboga is the hardest medicine to work with. And then I think doing it in Gabon adds a whole nother like level of, you know, especially for a Westerner, because we're just, you know, it's just such a different way of being versus how we are in um, our Western world, even their culture. I feel, and I really do, one of the things that I feel really strongly about is cultural uh, preservation, because I feel that 
when Westerners go to, uh, let's say, uh, Peru or they go somewhere else, you know, we have to really have a leave no trace mindset of, you know, how are we impacting their culture? Um, and there's many things that that we we really aren't even aware of. And um, I'm seeing this more so even in Gabon um, because of the way that their society works, being a tribal society. Um, and, and I do feel that there is, you know, training in a sense or learning that needs to happen from someone who really understands that environment, um, so that you understand how, how to move in, in that place and be, you know, invisible, blend in, um, without, um, you know, having an impact on, on the society. Um, but yeah, it's, it's truly, um, my last initiation was probably one of the most hard things I've done in my life. And like, I can't really talk too much about like the details of it, but I can share little pieces. Like for instance, um, we had to do these choreographed dance moves on very high quantities of medicine. And uh, I uh, literally can barely even walk and, and I do it and I'd like try my best. And then I'd be like, okay, I get to sit down now. Yay. And they'd be like, nope, you didn't do it right. You have to go back and do it again. And I did that. I had to do that like three times. And in my mind, I'm just like thinking, oh, my God, I just want to sit down now. Uh, so that was what. what and, and that's like uh, for one particular um, initiation in like in, in a because you mentioned there's different lineages, right? So yeah. e- I would imagine each one has their own kind of set of values and norms and, you know, uh, cosmology, mythology. Is that, is that right? Or is it, is it kind of similar? Like, wh- like walk me through a little bit of like understanding kind of like some of the maybe challenges or differences in terms of like what you, what you face going through the different lineages. Mm. So, um, Pretty much all of the lineages share one thing in common in that they do really deep purification rituals. And so, you know, like you start by going into the jungle, connecting with the jungle, asking permission to the plants. And it's it's quite profound because, you know, you'll see the, the Ganga walk up to, uh, you know, a tree and his connection to the tree, to the jungle is so deep. And I just remember in my heart, just thinking, wow, this just really reminds me how much further I have to go to feel that level of connection to nature in the way that, you know, these, these, um, Gangas have this connection, which is so beautiful. And he asks permission and he takes a machete uh, to the bark of the tree and he's using the bark to make these ritual baths for cleansing. And he'll, he'll cut a little square. And then when the square flips up, if it flips open, like it's open towards you, Uh, when it hits the ground, then that means you have permission to take the medicine. And then um, at the end, after you've taken medicine from that tree, you pick the bark up off the ground and you put like, uh, or I'm sorry, you pick the dirt up off the ground and you put it in the area where you took the um, bark to kind of heal the tree and you you Mm. thank the tree and then you you leave an offering at the tree. 
yeah. uh, as a as an appreciation. So we go through this long process, like almost spending like a day just harvesting different plants and things and through the process learning what they mean because they were selected for you specifically for a reason and just the synchronicity of like, oh, he's just picking a random tree over here. And then, oh, no, this tree actually um, is for protection and it's going to help to to protect you in the journey. And then um, making the ritual bath and um, and then from the ritual bath, you know, there's this opportunity to really, truly clean yourself. And so you're really confessing. You're confessing all the things that that you've done wrong and and you're doing it from a place of, um, you know, we do more to ourselves than, than anything, like lying to ourselves, talking negatively towards ourselves, um, hiding from our power, all of these things. And so you're literally like forgiving yourself. And then you're, you're praying for what you want. And you do these bathing rituals. Most of the traditions do them for several days. And then there's other forms of detoxification, um, such as there are certain plants you can take that are vomitifs, which I'm sure you're familiar with in yeah. the ayahuasca tradition as well. And then... Yeah, those are fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you feel good. <laughs> yeah, afterwards. you do afterwards. You do feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hold on just one second. Oh, yeah, got it. no problem. Okay, got it. Sorry. Oh, all right. Cool. Um, so uh, then uh, you uh, have sometimes it depends on the tradition, but they'll do uh, ifulu, which is like a smoke bath, and literally it's almost like it's like your own sweat lodge, and they like build a fire underneath you, and they use all these different medicinal plants, kind of like sage, and you know, like our version of sage, and different medicinal plants, and they 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 smoke you out, and you're in there until you're literally almost on fire. It's just like you're sweating, and you have smoke in your eyes, burning your eyes, and and it's and it's basically to. Um, detox the evil from you. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Smoke is good. Is good about doing that. Um, what, and, and then, and so this is all in, in preparation, like yeah. for the actual like ceremony night where you're, as I understand it, like eating scoops of like a sawdusty, you know, it bogus. That's what it is. Like, it's like, a, is, is that right? Like you're just kind of woofing it down. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm leaving out a lot of details just for the simplicity because it is quite a sophisticated ritual. I mean, it's, it's really like awestrucking when you watch them do even like the way they do the baths and, you know, the ritual behind it, because everything is so deeply entrenched in ritual and Bwiti, no matter what tradition it is. Right. Um, and uh then yeah you're 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 going into ceremony with with the with the plant and usually it's done um two nights of medicine uh one night being the night of death and one night being the night of rebirth where you're taking very large quantities of of medicine um and uh yeah going on a going on a journey wow yeah so is that part of uh, the retreats that you offer as well, like those um, those kinds of ones, and or is it strictly with uh, 
you mentioned, I think it was, it was just Bufo or with Iboga as well? So the difference between what we do uh, in Gabon in the initiation oh, right. yeah. is that um, initiations, you, you do one time. You go in and, and in that lineage, um, you, you, you go in and you do that initiation and you're, you're able to do that usually one time. As were with the um, psycho-spiritual Iboga retreats, were you know a lot of people come back and they continue to do the work, um, which I think is really important because it's like this continual cleansing process. But we're very integration focused, so we typically um, have a doctor on site. Um, my partner is a psychologist, so he um, you know is helping support the retreat, and we're really um, addressing aspects of the Western psyche that wouldn't necessarily be addressed. And it's also a little bit more feminine of an environment in the sense that there's a little more comfort, you know, than, than being in the jungle and of course, better food. Uh, so we really want to make it easy. Cause I feel, I mean, it's never easy. It's never easy with Iboga, but, um, we want to make at least the outside environment really nice so that you can feel safe to go inside and, and face your stuff because that's a lot of work as it is. Um, and I feel yeah. like in our culture, we're just carrying generations of trauma, you know, cause we've just compiled it over, you know, so many lifetimes of our ancestors. Um, that's just been unprocessed since, you know, we kind of entered into this, uh, Western colonized way of life. Yeah. It's really interesting because we're, you know, I guess the indigenous community that we did have here, you know, unfortunately we, uh, you know, like our, the people that came here to this continent uh, to, 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 you know, rule it and conquer it, it absolutely ruined their culture and, and, and killed them and murdered them. And, and, you know, they, and it's just, it's so, it's so incredibly sad and you see a lot of uh, native people that are struggling with like alcohol addiction and things like that. And, you know, because the, you know, the white people, I guess, that came over centuries ago, like ruined their culture. And, and so really we're living in this kind of, we're living in this weird melting pot of people now here in, in America um, that don't really have connection to indigenous rites of passage, you know, um, mythology and, you know, ritual and ceremony, which is like, you know, super important. You, you can't, I, I, I don't believe that you can function properly sane and healthy in a world without that connection. Um, so, so it's, I think now what I'm seeing is, and you know, what's been happening, I guess, more, uh, more frequently for sure in the last, like, you know, I guess five, six, 10 years, something like that is, you know, like a neo shamanism, if you will, mm -hmm. or, you know, an integrated version of, of something kind of bootstrapping, uh, healing or so to speak, something like that, because it, we need it. Right. And we yeah. can't always plug into the cultures that we want, you know, we go to because they have a different worldview and it's just, it's, they're not, you, they don't know sort of our baggage and we're, de we're dealing with a, a different story over here in, in yeah. the West, in America. So, 
yeah, like how does that all connect for you? Kind of like learning from these ancient ways and these rituals and then kind of like integrating it, making this holistic kind of, you know, as you put it, Western friendly approach to, to, to healing and to working with these plant medicines. You know, I really have to say that um, our culture has changed. You know, we're not the same people we were before, and we need to have bridges between the cultures. I don't think necessarily that means taking someone else's tradition and going out there and and practicing it. I think that. Um, there's a right way of doing it. I feel like we're learning through this process. I think the first thing we have to really go back to is um, the Western culture has always been reductionist and extractive. Um, it's just the way that we've been for so long, you know, taking things from mother nature and then selling them, whether it's water or electricity or, you know, land or, you know, the thing mining or whatever it is. And, um, if we want this really truly to reach its highest potential in our society and truly bring the healing that it was designed to bring, we have to do it in a way that's in harmony with nature. And so what that means is that we have to, number one, if we're, if we're using aspects of a tradition, we need to have an ongoing exchange with them. We can't just be, you know, borrowing their songs, borrowing their teepee, borrowing, you know, their their clothing, their, you know, whatever, feathers, all these things um, without doing something for them. But knowing that they're some of them, not all of them, are also operating from some wounding as well. They may not know the answers either of what they need. They might say, well, we need money. Well, we know in our Western culture, because we've gone further down the rabbit hole in capitalism, that money is not the answer. Most of us are coming back and recovering from, you know, that old paradigm of just working for money. And, and really what it is, is us coming together in council, coming together in community and, collectively coming up with ways of exchange that are inclusive, that are um, mutually beneficial. You know, um, neither of us should, like if, if we're getting healing, then they should be getting healing too. And what are some of the gifts that we can offer to, um, uh, to indigenous culture, like, okay, I'll, I'll give you a really fun example. Um, so I started this, uh, little like nonprofit, uh, project called ancestral heart. And the idea behind it was more about exploration of right relationship because I didn't want to be like, oh yeah, we have the answers. We know all that kind of stuff. And so for my first project, um, I brought, um, the Zulu tribe from South Africa to Burning Man last year. <laughs> and here they are straight wow. you know, from Cape Town, never been to America, you know, just got their visas for the first time. And I mean, it was a huge culture shock to them. But I was like, what's something that we have in our culture that we can be proud of, that we can share with 
um, you know, an indigenous culture that can be a beautiful mutual exchange. And there was such a beautiful dance and so much love exchanged and, um, it was so, so beautiful, um, to, to, wow. to experience that and to be able to be part of, of sharing that gift. So they, they loved it. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really fun. And it was just so, so incredible how it touched their heart and just to see like the Facebook posts, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. It was, it was really, it was really cool. And, um, and I see this, this is a challenge, especially with, with African culture that, um, I had a lot of struggle, difficulty getting visas, to bring, like, I actually tried to bring three tribes to Burning Man, and I only had success at getting one visas to come to the U.S. And um, we we really are um, starved for culture, and I really do believe that um, a massive dissemination of of indigenous wisdom has to happen to help dig us out of this this hole that we're in right now, um, as a, as a culture, as a Western uh, culture. Um, but, um, it needs to be done in the right way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. Cause I, you know, I kind of was, when I was talking, I, I was saying like America and I do say Western culture too. And I guess like Western culture to me, I, I, I suppose means like the, cause it's all over the globe. It's not necessarily, mm-hmm. it's like the Western ideology, like the, the ideology of, uh, capital capitalism, crony capitalism, you know, big government, empire building, imperialism, like that sort of mentality, consumerism, commodification of everything that mm-hmm. seems to be spreading. And and one of the things that, you know, that happens a lot of times is when there's like, when there's something new and exciting in an area, like for example, down in Peru, you know, even just right outside the jungle in Iquitos, you know, you would, it's, there's a lot of people there that, you know, because like the, the, when the Spanish came, they, you know, obviously the conquistadors and they converted everyone to the Catholicism. And so you see big churches and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and there's a lot of like new Western products and services and movies and TV shows. And it's, and it's appealing because it's like, this is new. Like we never had this before. Yeah. So it's like this. And then like, we're coming down there like, oh, we don't want any of this stuff. Like we're going to your jungle and we're going to drink your medicine to connect back to your aunt. Like, it's just, it's, it's funny how that works out because it is, it is alluring. It is seductive. And like you mentioned before, you know, money isn't the answer. Like, you know, I've, i had jobs where I was making a lot of money and I quit because I was like, this is it. Like, I don't, you know, I, I mean, yeah, like having, having money, being able to do things is good, but working solely for that energy is, doesn't necessarily feel so good. So it's like, yeah, how do you, what do you, what's your take on that? Like, how do you kind of contend with like all these, with all these forces moving around? Mm, You know, that's a big rabbit hole. Um, (laughs) It's so interesting. As you were talking with me, um, when I was in Tulum, they were doing this like independent cinema and there was this perfect photograph of on the movie poster of this documentary about Mayan culture. 
And it's basically this Mayan elder and he's fully like suited up. And then there's his little baby on the ground, like in this dirt floor hut. And it's all excited and it's playing with a toy car. And it was just like, almost like how like, like the sparkly flashiness of Western culture is so alluring and, and such a, such a, um, you know, trap that, that, um, we can, we can get caught in. And I really think like, ultimately the answer to it is, um, you know, equanimity, like understanding where the positive aspects of it are, um, you know, being able to share and connect on a mass scale, the way that the world is interconnected now through different things, um, is, is incredible. Um, you know, if you look at the way that, um, a king lived, you know, even a century ago, and you look at how we live now, we live better than that, you know, like, like we've kind of built on the backs of our ancestors in Western culture, where now we have roads, now we have, you know, schools, post offices, all these, um, this infrastructure. And so I think it's like really finding a balance between um, both of those things, like finding a way to return to our roots, finding a way to take these big ideas and apply a holistic um, way of um, executing them. For instance, um, you know, bringing back community, bringing back permaculture, and um, using um, instead of having big businesses extracting and supporting one small group of people using these concepts so that communities can be in cooperative and can be self-sustaining and can, uh, you know, create these mutually beneficial relationships that grow and allow them to flourish. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think it, it really stems down to like the power of belief. You know, I think that if, if enough, if you if you have a, a, an experience that makes you feel that it's possible and you believe it's possible, then that's sort of that's that's sort of what moves the needle. I think, in my opinion, like I, I've seen it here when I when I moved to Denver and got involved in the decriminalization campaign. You know, it was a lot of just passionate people coming together that wanted to make change. You know, it wasn't mm. like you know we weren't like funded by Exxon or anything. You know, it was like there's just yeah. people grassroots, like real grassroots kind of effort. So. So it is possible. And I think a lot of people, um, you know, myself included at times get, get, get into despair. Like, Oh man, it's like such an uphill battle. Like how are we going to do this? But then, you know, connecting with other people that are also doing it. Cause it's, it's all over no matter where you go. I'm sure you meet people, right. That are on this path more and more now that you're on this path. And then that the world is opening up to you. So there's more opportunities, more, more ways to connect in community to make yeah. maybe one's big out of reach dreams come to fruition. Like, have you noticed that? Have you noticed like more just like doors opening up and synchronicities and, and the, and your world growing bigger? I'm, I'm sure you have. Yeah. 
Oh, 100%. You know, I always make these jokes like where it's like, now I'm on the toad network or now I'm on the medicine <laughs> network because it's like, I notice that everyone kind of gets that where they start to meet people that are like on a similar path. And, you know, they're all like wanting the same things, having the same visions and dreams. And I just want to commend you for what, what you did in Denver as a collective with um, the decriminalized movement, because I mean, that's just another example example of like, oh, wow, that was even possible. I mean, it just was such a under the radar, like, you know, uh, thing. And if we can all just like gather and do things like that, and really like, ultimately, the way I see it is this, you know, um, anyone that I feel and, and like, you know, please, everyone can have their own opinion. Um, I feel like you become an ad advocacy, um, you know, like a, like almost like an activist once, once you start doing plant medicine, because you realize the world that you want. And all of a sudden you start to put energy into, um, creating that world. And, you know, that's a world where there's no racial divides where everyone has clean air, clean water, organic food. I mean, I'm just sharing what I see, like where I would love the world to be. And I'm, to me, it's like worth my um, time, money, efforts, and just my, my soul alignment to uh, align with helping bring that into fruition. And so, you know, to me, like, ultimately, I feel like this, this work is, is important planetary work in the sense that we're building a movement of people that are independently sovereign, yet through their own heart's vision, all realize truth and in the alignment with that truth, we're all kind of seeing the same thing. We're like, what is, what do we want? We don't want chemtrails. We don't want vaccinations. We want, we want organic food. We want communities with ecstatic dance and sound healing and you know, cuddle puddles and, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cuddle puddles for sure. What? Yeah, so you just you just said a couple things that maybe would trigger some people to say, whoa, 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 what do you mean by that, you know? Um, chemtrails, you know, vaccinations. But obviously, you know, and we kind of started this, we started this talk off with like dark spirits and parasitical you know, and, you know, uh, insects and, and entities and things like that. And, you know, I think a, lo a lot of this work when you are going deep and you're, and you're, and you're entering into a space of healing, uh, it's not all just, just like love and light, obviously. I mean, that's a part of it, but as you said, we live in this world of duality. So yeah, there's some, there's messed up things that are going on. And I always tell people like, you have to look at like the incentives, you know, follow the money, follow the, mm -hmm. You know, why would this, why would somebody benefit from having you, you know, get vaccinations? Like, why would somebody benefit from chemtrails? Why would somebody benefit from poisoning the water supply and, you know, putting mm -hmm. fluoride in and, you know, all that kind of stuff? So, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I would like to hear a little bit more about that because I'm, I'm on the same page with you. And I feel like it can be a little bit of a controversial topic, even in the sort of psychedelic, you know, consciousness, spirituality world, where you still kind of have people buying into this, like, you know, for me, for example, like, I don't, 
I don't, I haven't owned a television in 10 years. I don't, I, I watch cable TV at all ever, except if I'm in like a whatever. And every time I see it, it's like, this is such a joke. Like this is such, this is like mm -hmm. the propaganda arm of the military industrial complex, pharmaceutical education, you know, nightmare brainwashing factory. So obviously like, you know, we're, we're sort of in, in a, a cosmic Gnostic battle for healing ourselves and the planet and kind of trying to lessen or maybe even eradicate this dark force. So what's, what's your take on all this? Like, what do you, what do you believe? What, what do you think's going on? What have you seen? What have you experienced to know? Well, there's, there's a lot of things I've seen and experienced. And I mean, ultimately, um, these things have happened because of our collective unconsciousness. Um, we have authorized it because mm -hmm. we've been asleep at the wheel. Like the only way you are fully in your power is when your soul is driving. And in every moment you have a choice to empower the ego, you know, our shadow aspect of our conscious, our unconscious, you know, the part that's kind of shaped through uh, our trauma. Um, or you have the option to empower your soul. And, and here we are as a collective, we've really gotten separated from being able to tap into that inner wisdom. And, you know, if you were looking at it like, like a metric, like if you were looking at, you know, like let's say it was like this video game and in the video game your goal is like, gotta, gotta let the soul drive. Um, you know, like most of us, our souls are not like in a very high percentage driving all the time, you know, and then as we're starting to get into this work, we're learning how to empower them. And it's not easy. I mean, a lot, there's a lot of spiritual bypass happening. There's a lot of um, disassociation due to trauma. And it, it, it's, it's an aware, it, it's, it's unconscious. It's like, we, we, we sometimes aren't even aware that we're doing this. And I see this so much in the work that I do on an individual level with people where we really just have to realize that it's, it's our free will. We always have a free will choice of whether we're choosing love or we're choosing the power. Uh, and the power isn't real power. It's, it's this fake power that is elusive that you just keep the sparkly thing that you just keep chasing after. And so, you know, I really believe that, um, this force really is taking advantage of that because they're basically harnessing that energy um, and uh, using it, using it. Um, and it's not separate from us. It is part of us. You know, everything is all one. But we do have the opportunity to choose a new reality for ourselves by all collectively making that choice. And, and statistically, if you look at things like um, the Maharishi effect, which is where transcendental meditators were in war zones and they meditated and the war uh, violence went down incrementally based on how many people were meditating together. Mm. That to me is a proven fact of like when we make that conscious choice to really be present, to really 
bring in a loving vibration. It's not all woo-woo, um, unicorns and rainbows and, and all that stuff. I mean, it must have been real for someone who is like, you know, a being that is in such service that he would go to a war zone and to see like death and destruction all around him and to be able to ground himself in that energy. I'm sure that they're like, I'm an empath. So I feel like if I entered a city where there was a lot of like fear and anger and, you know, distrust and uncertainty, I would feel that energy. So to be able to go into that space and to be able to ground yourself and then to vibrate in that frequency of presence and love is is it takes a lot of spiritual strength and so really here we are now um where we have this choice to make as a society like where mm-hmm. what do we want the next 100 years to look like what do we want the next 10 years to look like yeah what do we want our reality to be yeah cuz we can make it amazing we can yeah. um what are some things that you do to choose to, to choose love to choose positive to choose good energy to be in a higher vibration like Outside of working with uh, Bufo or Boga or plant medicines, um, maybe, you know, med- like meditation or something. Do you have like a daily practice or do you have certain kinds of tips or tricks that you do to sort of get yourself back on the path if you feel yourself thinking negatively or in despair, you know, because I feel like it comes along with the journey too, like being an empath, like I guess I would consider myself mm-hmm. one too, you know, where it's just like you're taking, you take in everything, like your capacity to feel is so massive that yeah. you can feel the highest highs, but that also allows you to feel the lowest lows. And it, it really, like I, I constantly am feeling energy when I'm moving around in different crowds and different peoples and different cities and constantly hearing conversations going on around me and everything happening. And it's, it can be a lot to, to take in. So yeah, I'm wondering what, uh, how you kind of navigate that, what you, what you use to kind of stay on track. Mm, so, I mean, there's a few different things. So the first thing is, um, in these initiations, really what, what the initiation is, is it's, Suffering in a controlled environment, going in, knowing you're going to suffer, knowing also that there's kind of a group of people like watching out for you if it gets too crazy, you know, you're not going to like die or anything. Um, And I feel like um, in our culture, we've just been so suffering adverse that we run from it. And that really um, prevents us from from really entering ourselves because we're constantly looking for the next thing to distract ourselves from our feelings. Um, And so um, I think there's certain modalities um, that can help you with that. you know, facing things that are hard. Like for example, if I go and I sweat, then I go do the cold plunge and that's like uncomfortable. I hate being cold. I don't like the cold plunge, but I'm always like, it's good for my karma. It's good for my karma. It's good for my karma. And I hop in and it balances you. Um, and then, uh, you know, I felt like combo therapy has been really beneficial for teaching me to face suffering because you get in this really uncomfortable space for a very short period of time. And you're sometimes throwing up and got things coming out of both ends and your head feels like it's going to explode. Your heart feels like it's going to explode. But then after a few minutes, you're like, oh, it's not so bad. I feel so good. And those things actually help your immune system. They boost your immunity. They make you strong. Um, and then I would say like, um, 
really um, your breath, staying connected to your breath all the time. The more that you realize that the breath really controls the experience, because if you're not focusing on your breath, then it's really easy for the mind to create suffering for you. Because the mind, what it does is something happens, you anticipate it, and you're like, either this is going to be really good, or this is going to be really bad. And it projects that into the future. And it keeps you from being really present as we're just being in your breath, you know, really feeling it, feeling your nose hairs vibrate, really you know, taking the time to slowly sip it in and to slowly release it um, really just just puts you in your body to where you're feeling, you're fully on board, you're connected to all of your senses within your body. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Amazing. So, so um, what do you have going on right now? I know you, you mentioned that you're planning... I mean, I don't know. Can I say it on the podcast? You're planning a, a book. Is that, is that, am I yeah. able to share that? Yes. Yeah, so um, I have a book um, and we're working with the publishers right now. Um, I can't release that information yet, um, but uh, I'm really tempted to say the title, but I'm afraid they're going to, they're going to change it, but it's most likely going to be out late 2020. And um, what's really exciting about this is of all the initiations I've been through, this one has been the hardest writing mm -hmm. this book to actually yeah. sit down and focus. And then I feel like these parts of myself, like, it's just like, I suck. This isn't going to be any good. Am I ever going to get this done? And then, you know, working with my editor and my agent, they're both like, oh, this is amazing. This is great. And, you know, getting that like confirmation, it's just been like, Whew, quite a journey. And so, um, yeah, I'm just really grateful um, to be able to share this. And um, I really feel um, it's a way to get the medicine out to a lot of people. Um, and so I'm just really hoping that it reaches a lot of people and um, that, yeah. that it reaches the right people that can really benefit from from it. Cool. So is it going to be kind of like based on your life then? Like, is it, is it a nonfiction or a fiction book? So it's nonfiction and it's a combination of a lot of like really interesting tidbits and stuff that you'd only get from firsthand ex uh, experience from like facilitating working with like 1500 people. Yeah. And so it's like just really consistent um, information in my own learning and discovery around understanding the psyche, the egoic framework, how to really connect, um, and really just kind of a deep understanding of how this crazy universe works and how we can get the most out of our experiences as, as humans. And, um, I really feel a lot of the things that, um, you know, we're contained in ancient wisdom, we've become really separated from in our culture. And I think that um, there are still a lot of people that are guarded, you know, that aren't necessarily, there's, they still, you know, are more on the scientific side of things and pragmatic side of things. And they might, you know, kind of shy away from something um, that's a little more out there. So I try to really bring things in a way that, um, 
you know, it's, it's honor, respect, taking these indigenous perspectives, um, but doing so in a respectful way and also in a way that, that we can reach our, our modern culture. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Well, uh, I know you have uh, some some eggs and hash browns to get to, so I should I probably shouldn't keep you for too much longer. Um, but yeah, is there anything else that you wanted to uh, maybe touch on, or you know, well, I don't know. Sometimes I always ask people like what their like big vision is, but I think I pretty much got yours, um, unless there's there's more to it. But is there? And the other question sometimes I ask at the end is like, what's the the thing that's most currently uh, exciting you? And, but I, it seems like that's probably the book, right? I don't know. Is there is there more to that? Does any of those questions feel like they have any uh, answers to to give the, there? Yeah, I mean, I would say like really like, um, I think in our culture, there's you know this 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 way of healing that's like been around for a long time and it's like people going in and healing themselves and like, Oh, I have to heal this thing. And, and, um, if you just are focused on healing all the time, you're just going to find more things to heal. Oh, I love that you just, that. I, I love that you're talking about this. Cause I've been talking about this a lot lately, like addicted to the healing. Yeah. Okay. Continue. Yeah. And, and I think that even, you know, in our commodified society, we've commodified healing. And I don't think, I think the healer should be compensated for all the massive amount of work and studies they've done, but we don't want to become dependent on it. You know, we, we ultimately it's about doing the work. Um, but most importantly, and this is something I really focus on in my book is we're here to create. We came here as creative beings and as creative beings, really what's important is to get clear intentions on, you know, getting clear on what you're here to create. Of course, letting go of how it's created, uh, but really, um, aligning with that creative part of yourself and knowing that when you do that, all those little things that need to be healed are going to come up as the speed bumps along your, your way in your creative process. So you don't actually have to go drink ayahuasca to heal your trauma with your mom and dad. Ah, wow. You can just really go in and get clear. We're here to be masters. We're here to master the idea of living in duality. We're here to find equanimity and peace in that, to to be able to accept that this is a reality that we live in and to empower ourselves to step into the highest expression of how that can come, how much light, how much love, how much beauty can shine through in um in a place that you know isn't always the most light or isn't always the most beautiful um so i just think it's just such an important reminder um and and an orientation to live to live by to understand yeah and creating is fun you know this this conversation yes. has been fun like we're creating something right now and, yeah. and creating and collaborating and community and then all of a sudden you're syncing up with like like-minded like-hearted people and you're in flow and like you're like well how did this happen how the hell did i make this thing and yeah it's it's truly amazing it's it's a, one, a wonderful gift so yeah just be be the medicine that you need and and the you know follow your heart wow w- wonderfully uh, said beautifully put 
Trisha. I'm so glad that you uh, decided to say that at the end. So, um, yeah, that was great. Tell the people where they can go and find you, um, you know, and check out some of the retreats that you're offering and, and things like that. Uh, my website is psychedelicjourneys.com, easiest one to remember. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Psychedelic Journey, Journeys with an S. Um, I really love psychedelic art. I really love being inspired by the community. So I have a lot of stuff like that on my Instagram. Um, and uh, I love what you're doing. And by the way, I have to say, um, really excited that we're now more connected and excited for future stuff and just love how you are and everything. It was so funny when I was thinking about you, I was like, I went for this hike and I was like, oh my God, it's like mycadelic, except for I'm doing the hikeadelic. It's like, if you do psychedelics while you hike, it's a hikeadelic. Yes, I mean, yeah. Yeah, but I'm just like super. I love your. I love love what you stand for. I love everything that you're doing, and I'm excited to play more. Thank you. So yeah, much. awesome. Yeah, totally. Thank you so much. I appreciate that very much. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been going on them. I've been calling them hikro doses lately. So, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Trisha, this has been a, a real pleasure. I'll uh, I'll talk to you soon. And thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Hey, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. If you did, go and leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can leave a five-star rating and a review if you feel like writing something. Uh, that would be great. It helps the show a lot. helps us bump us up in the uh, Apple algorithm, get the podcast exposed to more people. So if you like the show, go ahead and do that. If you want to go a step further, go to patreon.com slash Mike Brank. You can donate, become a patron. Be a part of the Mycadelic Inner Sanctum WhatsApp chat group of people chatting and connecting all around the world, refining the others, bringing them together, creating community. One of my favorite things to offer. I also release bonus episodes. Sometimes I do episodes that are kind of raw and kind of beta test them for the producers of the show, which are my patrons, the people who support the show. Big shout out to everybody that's a patron. Thank you for your love and support. If you want to do a one-time donation, go to my website, mikebrank.com. Go to PayPal and do a one-time donation if you feel that. And uh, I really like the method of donation. It's a, it's a gifting mentality. And reading Charles Eisenstein's books recently and his talks have really kind of made me embrace the spirit of the gift, of giving and gifting. And what better time than this holiday season to be generous and to give. And, you know, if you like the show, just tell, tell people about it, spread it, share it. Also, contact me. Go to my email uh, on my website, the contact page, mikebrank.com. Reach me on Instagram, mikeadelic underscore podcast. Hit me up on Facebook. Send me your messages. Send me your thoughts. Send me guest suggestions, ideas. Share your story with me. Reach out. Give me feedback. What do you like? What don't you like? And uh, I love to hear from people. I always respond. So uh, you can go ahead and do that. If you're interested in CBD, we have Hemp Bombs as a sponsor. You can go to hempbombs.com, get all kinds of CBD stuff. And um, I used to take their their gummies. I think I'm going to start taking them again. I ran out, so I got to get some more. But uh, they're really good. And um, yeah, check it out. If you're interested in CBD, you want to give it a try, put in the code Mike15 at checkout and get 15% off all of your CBD wants, desires, needs, and so forth. Big shout out to Danny Barnett and Galaxia for the music, the intro and the outro. And uh, of course, thanks to Muse, who uh, I mash up their song and put the Terrence McKenna clips and everything in without their permission, but somehow I'm still able to do it. So thanks, because I love that. 
And uh, what else? I don't know. Thank you so much to everybody for your love and support for listening. And yeah, I really, uh, really, 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 from the bottom of my heart, really can't express how grateful I am that out of all the podcasts out there that you choose this one to listen to. And uh, yeah, uh, like I said, let's really make this a collaborative effort. If there's something that you hear that you notice, you know, something going on with the show that you're like, hey, you used to do this or you do that, or I'd like to see this, or hey, did you ever think about that? Shoot me a message. I'm open. I communicate. I message back. I like this to be a collaborative effort. I want more community involved in this. So anyway, thanks. And uh, till next time, peace.